0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one delectable page of Talmud every day. And in today's page, Nazir 37, a small, short paragraph that spoke very intimately to me for reasons that will soon become obvious. Have a listen. But here, with regard to the halacha of vessels of Gentiles that require purging, The Torah states that even if they contribute taste that renders the food tainted, nevertheless they are forbidden. If 24 hours have passed since food was cooked in a pot, the assumption is that the flavor released from the pot will contribute a deleterious taste to any foods subsequently cooked in the pot. Even so... Vessels taken from Gentiles remain forbidden until they have been purged, despite the fact that the taste they contribute taints the food. Now, uh, as someone who decided to go kosher later in life and has gone through the somewhat strange and rather wonderful experience of taking my own dishes and making them kosher, this is really something that I'm deeply interested in, this idea of tvilas kalim, or dipping the dishes in the mikvah to make them kosher. And it is my great pleasure to welcome to the show Maharat Ruth Bolinski Friedman. Thank you for being our guest. Thank you so much
1: for having me. It's a pleasure.
0: And so enlighten us. Uh, this short passage, as Talmudic passages so often do, contains multitudes. Uh, what are we looking at? What is this Tvilas Kalin business? And what are the rabbis trying to teach us here?
1: So this little section comes in a much bigger conversation about Nazir and how much uh, like of a forbid or how much wine they have to consume in order to consider it a sin, et cetera, um, a violation of their Nazirhood. So I think that what's important here is just to see that what they're talking about is this idea that dishes have to be koshered, we'll say, which refers to the process of purging them of whatever food might be left over in them. And so there's actually often two different processes here that get conflated. So first we'll talk about koshering and then we'll talk about taking dishes to the mikvah. Now for koshering, when we say koshering, we mean the process of making something kosher, right? We just make it a verb. Um, What we refer to is that if a vessel, let's speak about something metal, has been used for any kind of non-kosher food or probably more relevantly to kosher keepers, if you accidentally cooked kosher food, but let's say it was meat in a dairy pot, then what our rabbis believe, and frankly, if you have something like cast iron, you probably can verify, is that part of that food, they call it the ta'am, it's like the taste of it, the essence of it, actually gets absorbed into the walls of the pot. And then, when you go to cook something again in it, that ta'am that's been absorbed into the walls of the pot is released and goes into whatever dish it is that you are making. Now, Scientifically, when we use our stainless steel pots or whatever that we use mostly modern day to cook, when you wash them, you're really washing them, right? They're designed not to absorb all of the food that you're cooking. They're designed to be clean. Um, but like I said, if you use something like cast iron, you know that every time you cook, some of it does really get absorbed into the walls. And that's a that much more realistically reflect what the reality is that they are addressing right and so it does it it, it, when you talk about it today it sounds kind of like some you know far-fetched idea but really frankly for them it, it was more relevant and so the question is well let's say I want to buy a frying pan secondhand, can I or as I said I make meat food in my dairy pot what do I do now And so then they talk about, okay, what happens when this tom is absorbed into the walls of the pot? And then you get to two categories. The first question is, if you say to a rabbi, oops, I made my chicken soup in my dairy pot. One of the questions they're going to say is, when's the last time you used that pot to cook? Because if you used it within the past 24 hours, then it's something called benyomo. And the rabbi said that in the first 24 hours after ta'am, after that paste is absorbed into the walls of the pot, it is considered to still be improving the flavor of your food. In other words, if I made my chicken soup in my dairy pot that 12 hours ago I used to make a delicious cheese sauce then that cheese sauce stays good in the walls of the pot for 24 hours. So then when I go to make my chicken soup in that pot, the fact that I made the cheese sauce in it 12 hours ago is actually improving the quality of my chicken soup because it tastes good, right? I guess, obviously, I'm a vegetarian, but I assume most chicken soup and dairy sauce, you know, cheese sauce don't really go together, but you try to, you know, understand the essence (laughs) of what we're getting at here, which is that, you know, the, some of the good parts of that cheese sauce stay in the walls of the pot. They're released into the chicken soup. And now you have meat that's being enhanced by dairy. And so you can't eat that chicken soup because it's been enhanced by the dairy. But after 24 hours, they say, any tom that is still in the walls of the pot is no team tom leaf gum. It's going to release it in a bad way. That there's no way that once 24 hours have passed, any remnants of that cheese sauce that's in the walls of the pot are going to make your chicken soup taste better, right? It's automatically going to make it taste worse. And if your chicken soup, therefore, isn't being enhanced by that cheese sauce remnant in the pot, then you can still eat the chicken soup. Right, because it, it as long as it's not you're not benefiting from that cheese sauce at all, then they say it's okay, and so that's what they're debating in this section of the Gemara right here is even if that non-Jew hadn't used that pot for 24 hours, you still have to kosher it. I want to pause now and see if you have any questions before I move on to the second half.
0: I I am just kind of astonished. This is rabbinic. America's test kitchen. This is like, you know, Talmudic Julia Child. I, I'm I'm listening to every word. Uh, so what what else uh, might we take away from this wonderful passage?
1: Well, so then the question is, okay, when someone acquires a secondhand frying pan, right, from someone who's not Jewish, there are two processes that have to happen. The first is kashring, right? So let's say it's a soup pot then i have to kosher it which is a process of removing the ta'am from it right which means i have to fill it with water and boil it until it's like a really big rolling boil and then they say stick a brick in it or something but you have to do something to get the water to spill over the sides of the pot to touch the very top part the rim and then the outside of the pot also and once the boiling water has touched all parts of that pot then it's considered kosher now There's still another problem, though, and this I feel like is less understood by American Jewry. I can't comment on other communities, but I think certainly less understood here, which is that if a Jew comes into possession of any kind of utensil that touches metal or glass utensil that touches the food itself, then you also have to take it to the mikvah. Now, that's because back in the day, if you would go to the market and you would buy a bowl and from someone from a potter who wasn't Jewish, that bowl might have been made for the purposes of a vodah right, of idolatry. And so you take it to the mikvah to like blend it of that. Purify step. it. Purify it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which is different. Purifying, you know, is different than koshering, right? Koshering <laughs> is cleaning. Purifying is different. Right, this because one, like one by, by itself
0: was not faith. difficult enough. So we obviously – needed to add a step
1: i know and this is like the set when i work with people who are converting it's just i have my like, heart breaks for them as they have to like not only is it such a difficult process to begin with you have to take all of your stuff right to the mikvah it's it's a it's a real pain um but it's a cool process
0: it's an amazing process and and again you know the the most beautiful part of it is to see just how much attention the rabbis paid to these questions of of process, of flavor, and of essence. Maharat Ruth Belinsky Friedman, thank you so much for being our guest. My
1: pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: This has been take one.